I think that the suit can save the world. I think that classic menswear enthusiasts are some of the most uh, environmentally friendly consumers in fashion. And, uh, you know, I think we're also, you know, in the current uh, state of the world and, you know, the way that people are developing today and the crises even that we're facing, uh, people need a, another reason to wake up in the morning. And, you know, there's nothing like uh, putting on a nice jacket or, uh, you know, a bunch of other parts of your routine uh, that are associated with classic menswear that uh, can help you kickstart your day and uh, try to project your best self. Hello, I'm Red. And I'm Tiff. And we're, and we're the, the Fashion, fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. When eBay came out in the 90s, I had no idea what it was. Online auctions? A marketplace? I was just getting comfortable with email. Why didn't people just sell their stuff in front of their houses or at a garage sale? or even in New York at the Chelsea Flea and Antiques Market. Back then, I didn't get it. But now, with them and Etsy in the 2000s, I'm in. Now, would I buy high-end menswear? Hmm. Yo, this is Reg Ferguson, fashion geek number one. How you guys doing? Welcome to The Ride. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about us. Please tell them to subscribe. And please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Special shout goes to our producer, Search, and everyone down with the Fashion Geeks. If you have a question or a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com or hit me up on the Insta at New York Fashion Geek. Today, we're going to talk with John Vojic and Christopher Siakas of Silk Exchange, who are in Bangkok and London. It's my first international interview. And we're going to talk about a category of shopping that the everyday man probably should have an interest in, especially with the current economy. We're going to talk about the menswear resale market. John and Christopher in the building, international. How are you guys? Fantastic, Reg. Great intro, man. <laughs> yeah, exception of that slip up. But are you guys keeping safe out there? Yeah, yeah. Moving along. <laughs> Hey, you know, it's it's tricky and I know I know in the UK where you are, Christopher, I know you're you've entered another lockdown. And yeah, I claim to know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um uh, for us it's um uh, quite serious. I mean I know you guys over in New York had um a lot of issues um uh up until recently. Um I think London has tried to kind of uh, evade uh if not the actual issues, definitely the publicity um, all these months, but now it kind of everything came in heat. Um, but uh, yeah, swimming along uh, and staying positive, that's uh, the best thing. And uh, with a new year, um, you know, trying to, to think of all the great things that are ahead of us. Sure. Understood. So, gentlemen, before we go into our topic, please tell us. So what do you do? So what do you so what do you do? Chris, you want to take it first? Sounds good. Um, so uh, I work I work in the uh, financial sector here in uh, in London in the UK. Uh, that's my day job. Um, however, uh, I've 
uh, I've got quite an entrepreneurial um, uh, character and uh, mindset. So for a long time, I've been uh, involved in uh, startups and um, side projects. And uh, um, I've, I, I was introduced to John um, a long time ago and we kind of um, clicked when it came to classic menswear. And uh, um, so Silk Exchange came about about um, uh, 13, 14 months ago. Um, and that's uh, something else that I do on the side of uh, my, my day job. Yeah, so I've been living in Southeast Asia for the last two and a half years working for the UN. Um, before that, I spent some time in Korea, uh, which also had a pretty big impact on my uh, infatuation with menswear. And uh, before that, I was in school. So uh, happy to be out and uh, exploring the world and happy to be in Bangkok right now. Good for you, man. Yeah, understatement. <laughs> so, gentlemen, why a men's high-end resale marketplace and why now? Sure. So Chris, if you don't mind, I'll take it. <laughs> Please. So yeah, I think that uh, in addition to fashion being cyclical, and I think a lot of us can agree that classic menswear is kind of down cycle, a lot of uh, speculation about the suit being dead and uh, whatnot. I think with the current state of menswear and hashtag menswear online, uh, specifically <laughs> on Instagram and uh, through podcasts like your Reg, I think that uh, classic menswear is coming up. I think there's a lot of influencers uh, from the Armory in New York, where you live, to yep. uh, to what we're doing, and you know the entire classic menswear scene across Asia that I'm, I'm falling in love with on the daily. Um, there's a lot of cool movement, a lot of cool activity, and uh, you know, I'll throw in a little sustainability bit here. I think that the suit can save the world. I think that classic menswear enthusiasts are some of the most uh, environmentally friendly consumers in fashion. And, uh, you know, I think we're also, you know, in the, the current uh, state of the world and, you know, the way that people are developing today and the crises even that we're facing, uh, people need a, another reason to wake up in the morning. And, you know, there's nothing like uh, putting on a nice jacket or, uh, you know, a bunch of other parts of your routine uh, that are associated with classic menswear that uh, can help you kickstart your day and, uh, try to project your best self. So that's that's why. <laughs> so, John, I want to follow up. Why do you think the suit is the most sustainable item out there? I think I, I use the suit uh, as, a, as a tagline there, but uh, it's not the suit. It's just the fact that classic menswear garments are crafted with care over time. Uh, they're crafted with passion, you know, longstanding traditions of, uh, of making clothes well. Um, and, and it's, a, it's a silent protest that you can wear to fast fashion and the terrible impact it's having um, on communities, on the environment, and, uh, you know, to be, to be honest, on, like, the mindset of, of young people. Uh, you don't need to rotate your wardrobe as quickly as we do. Um, if you look at data about economic development, what's happened is that as the world becomes more developed, uh, people are buying more clothes, and these clothes tend to last them less time. Uh, classic menswear is a way around that. You invest in quality, you invest in things that you love. And through Silk Exchange, we're enabling the possibility of you to consider your, uh, you know, often these, these garments do cost quite a bit of money. Um, there's obviously different ranges that you can get into. Um, but if you own something that falls into classic menswear and it's made well and you take care of it, you should be able to consider that item as uh, its own 
you know, asset class, as an investment. It's something that you can get money back from if you treat it well. And, uh, you know, it, as you'll probably hear in this podcast, uh, Chris and I both have our own relationship to classic menswear and to, to our journeys. And uh, part of that was resale and, you know, hunting and sniping uh, things online and uh, finding different channels to access, uh, in some cases, the best classic menswear that there is, you know, the, the trendiest stuff, um, the best made stuff, the stuff that speaks to us on a personal level. Um, and, and, and we're trying to sort of take that to the next level with Silk Exchange. So do you feel that, or was it the reason of longevity through classic menswear that sparked your interest in launching this marketplace? Yeah, I think, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here with Silk Exchange. Obviously, we're, uh, you know, aware of, of the, the resale boom, which is happening right now. I mean, uh, just to drop some more data on you, like, yes, please, uh, please. You know, so the classic menswear, uh, not classic menswear, sorry, the apparel resale market is set to double uh, the market value of uh, retail by 2028. Um, so it's a, it's a booming market. That's obviously one of our incentives to get into it from a business point of view. But when you think about it, really, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we're all probably familiar with, with Grailed and other sort of streetwear uh, oriented marketplaces, Depop, for instance. Um, that's, that's trending right now. But someone raised the question to Chris and I uh, quite recently and said, where do the guys who grew up on those platforms, you know, who are really interested in streetwear, where do, where do they grow when they grow up? Sorry, when do they grow? Oh, my God. When do, <laughs> when do they grow up? And what do they do when they grow up? Right. Where, where, where do they return to when they grow up, right? What, where is the platform for them? And, like, in, in both of our cases, Chris and I, um, probably a little bit more me because I grew up in Toronto, um, streetwear was a pretty big fad that I had. And I, I use the word fad on purpose because I don't think that streetwear is anywhere uh, remotely as uh, timeless as classic menswear. And, you know, in, in my case, I, I grew up, I got a job and what, you know, fashion is still important to me now. Mind you, I, I do wear a good bit of streetwear on the side. Um, but in my, you know, most I haven't seen that on the gram. Yeah, Jeez, it's, like you live in a double, it's like you live in a double life, John. <laughs> Scroll down far enough, man, you'll find it. <laughs> uh, I fell in love with streetwear in Korea. You know, it was uh, that's where I was like, "Wow, this is this is something. This is a real uh, community. This is a real cult following. It's cool." Um, but yeah, you know, eventually, I think that, and I'm not saying you can't be into streetwear all your life, um, but classic menswear is something different. It's uh, it's special in its own way, just like streetwear is. And uh, yeah. I have to say I didn't have such an issue with uh, streetwear myself, to be honest, friends. Uh, so I didn't go through that phase. Uh, I went straight from uh, the children's clothes straight into <laughs> classic style. Uh, but um, I, I think uh, something that is worth noting here is that uh, uh, we see uh, John very well said uh, or picked the suit as the symbol of classic style. But I would say, you know, classic menswear as a whole is really something that we see as an enabler, uh, as an empowering force um, that uh, can help people uh, grow mentally, you know, spiritually, career-wise, uh, personally. Um, I've seen it myself, um, you know, I, uh, for a long time, uh, when I was um, a kid, I was uh, chubby, I was uh, quite um, overweight, and uh, 
I, I remember, you know, even to this day that um, I was looking at the suits and the jackets as something that I couldn't wear because, you know, it wouldn't flatter my body. It wouldn't, you know, mm. it wouldn't be me. And I used to see the suit. I used to see uh, the jackets. I used to see all the, like, everything that you term uh, classic menswear today as something uh, not unattainable, or but something to... Uh, to fight for something, you know, the, uh, a good way to prove to yourself that, hey, I've made it. I, I achieved uh, something in life. And I think for a long time, that's something that, you know, um, that we see in, in classic style. And that is exactly what uh, brought John and myself together. You know, um, I can give you a bit of um, uh, a story <laughs> there for, uh, for context. Um, uh, the way John and I met was um, a long, long time ago. Uh, we were both um, in uh, in in the UN model UN space, uh, if you like, and we were quite avid in uh, trying to to uh, understand how the world is uh, working and so forth. Um, and um, we we came we 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 came to the same event. It was a model UN conference in New York and. Uh, Actually, I was um, uh, one of the organizers and I was trying to kind of um, pick the team. And uh, uh, one of the team members that joined uh, the team was John. And it was quite instant, the, the kind of, um, um, you know, uh, signaling mechanism that existed um, with, with the suit. Because, you know, of all the people, everyone was, you know, dressed in a suit. But it was very few people that were actually interested in what they were wearing, interested in the little details on the ties, uh, the, the handkerchiefs, uh, you know, all, all those little things that we as classmates were enthusiasts like. And I remember it was like almost like chemistry, you know, like going on a first date kind of thing. Uh, I was like, <laughs> yes, this, this is uh, my brother, you know, this is a guy that I, I, I will be good friends with. And that, that's how we, we um, you know, uh, we, we started talking and we became friends and, um, you know, boom, seven years after we were working on creating our own company. Uh, but that is exactly the kind of enabling force that we see in, um, in jackets. The, the thing that, you know, you grow and uh, alongside that journey, alongside discovering um, what dressing well, what dressing nicely and what taking care of yourself can do to improve your image and bring you ahead of the curve and make you stand out. But do you feel, Chris, that having a marketplace, you're really preaching to the converted? Meaning, do you feel that you're able to acquire new customers into classic menswear through the marketplace? Yeah, so th there is um, two ways uh, I'm going to go about answering this, uh, Red. So the first one is there is already uh, a community out there of classic menswear enthusiasts. And um, the, uh, I'm sure you, you, uh, you, know, you can appreciate yourself. The community is quite uh, um, uh, geographically um, uh, dispersed. Um, there's not a, a central point of um, you know, uh, reference. There's not a a central point of um, um, space, if you like, uh, where um, enthusiasts can come and talk. I mean, there's always, um, you know, the magazines, the, the influencers out there that people follow, but 
really, um, there's not something like a, you know, Facebook, uh, if you like, for class dimension enthusiasts. Um, and a marketplace uh, would do just about that, especially a marketplace that is specifically tailored and curated to, to service this, uh, this, this kind of customer. The classic menswear enthusiast, someone who has a, a, a very well-defined style and who doesn't want to spend hours or probably likes to spend hours. <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, I can talk on behalf of both myself and John. We love spending hours, but uh, we don't want to spend hours looking through garbage or we don't want to spend hours looking through uh, irrelevant items that you know we would never see ourselves wearing or running the risk of getting something that um, you know, is counterfeit or um, is, is, is not of high quality. Uh, and a, a marketplace would do just about that, bring everyone together. Um, so that is one. And then the other one is uh, we're not just about a marketplace, right? Uh, we, we are something beyond that. We are a community. Um, as I said before, uh, it's a lot about uh, talking to people around the world. And as you said earlier in the beginning of the podcast, actually, um, uh, internationally, um, our, our community is, um, you know, can be found on all, all continents, um, all places around the world. Uh, the good thing is that it's easy to tell when someone is a classmate or enthusiast, um, if you see them. But in the digital world, uh, it's difficult to, you know, to have a central space where everyone communicates. And, you know, um, we, we, we started this as a kind of um, Facebook group where we, you know, gather people around and we saw that there's an actual demand to, to have a dedicated marketplace and community um, servicing this, uh, this customer. Reg, if, I, so, if, if you don't yeah. mind, if I may just add a little to uh, what Chris said. I think, you know, part of, part of creating this company and building it further from where we are now is like we're, we're kind of like obligated to try and uh, champion classic menswear for all of those reasons we mentioned earlier. Um, the sustainability aspect, um, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of add here. Uh, we kind of have these four main pillars that we try to actively sort of uh, work around. One being enhancing accessibility to classic menswear. And, and that, again, sort of taps into uh, the new generation of classic menswear enthusiasts. And, you know, Chris and I are 25 and 26 years old. So we obviously are familiar with, with that demographic. Um, in addition to the classic menswear enthusiasts who, who, who uh, precede us, um, the other thing we, ch we, we ch chatted about already with you was about uh, value retention and kind of reshaping perceptions around the investment in classic menswear and creating a platform where you can get some money back should your style change, um, should you want to freshen up your wardrobe, right? And so this kind of comes down to the idea of promoting a culture of rotation rather than accumulation. Um, then we have the sustainability bit, like we also mentioned, the, uh, the classic menswear enthusiast may be the most uh, environmentally friendly consumer in fashion. And then we also have the representation side of things, how we want to reshape the narrative around classic menswear, um, around, you know, menswear culture and all of those fantastic references that we have from, from art and film and cinema and, uh, you know, novels from the 60s and 50s and, you know, that kind of golden era. We want to sort of re reshape uh, what it means to be into classic menswear uh, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, we, we promote that accessibility both in the product side and in the representation side of things. 
So for both of you, how do you feel you're creating a community through Silk Exchange? How how are you creating a curating experience? So uh, thanks, thanks, Rach. Um, that, that's an excellent question. I think it happened very organically. Um, and it happened by really just creating a page. Um, I remember it was um, after a trip that I made uh, over to Bangkok and uh, I met up with John and we, we both agreed that uh, classic style is something that we were both interested in. And boom, there you go. The first milestone was creating a, an Instagram page. And uh, to a large extent in our early stages, um, that Instagram page was a mood board, was something that we collated sure. um, bringing together um, images that we like, um, and mind you, it's not just uh, suits that we put up there, um, right? As you probably have seen, it's a lot about lifestyle. It's a lot about promoting those different um, uh, key uh, role role play, um, not role play, sorry, um, um, figures um, in the classic menswear community, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, as as that started to grow and as uh, more people started coming across our page and, um, you know, uh, get, giving us a lot of traction on social media, uh, we started expanding. You know, it's not just about, um, uh, you know, Instagram. After after a while, we, we grew over to, to Facebook where, you know, the demographic is um, quite different um, and the, the way to create uh, traction there is, quite different. Um, it used to be a trendy uh, social medium um, around a decade ago, and now, you know, it caters to um, a different um, kind of um, customer. And uh, that's that's something that we want to, to, um, to tap into. And then uh, beyond that, uh, seeing that community started to form and, you know, going through the first... Um, 3k milestone and then the 5k milestone and then you know the 10k followers milestone uh it kind of gave us that momentum that uh we're now exploring other social media as well um just to to create that curated experience and i think reg you put it very very rightly there um so we have um expanded over to pinterest um to to focus on the visual elements um we're now uh, taking steps to expand over to LinkedIn, which is again different demographic, but um, I would say quite key for what we're doing. And also, um, we're growing our uh, presence in uh, on Spotify, uh, which is something that uh, we started doing recently. And uh, as you can probably appreciate yourself, you know, um, uh, the, the, making sure that our customers and our, our community members have the whole experience um you know why not try to approach it from the acoustic sides you know so um that's uh, that's always something that we're trying to do to to strive for a holistic experience there and um uh bringing more more senses so i've been curious about this since we connected we connected a little less than a month ago and i follow all your accounts on the gram as you know silk exchange the name itself is this a direct homage to the Silk Road? <laughs> John, you want to take that? Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit for sure. Um, <laughs> not just because I'm living in Asia, but... Uh, yeah, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you're yeah. in Bangkok and Silk Exchange. I'm like, well, I was on the path, so... To be honest, when Chris and I first started discussing the idea, 
um, and, and mind you, like we've come so far from just an idea because we we both don't really have programming backgrounds, and uh, we we were you know curious how 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 on earth are we going to build a two ended marketplace um, and you know scale it with without that background. Um, but initially, the idea was sort of like. I guess this will lead me into a story about my own kind of classic menswear uh, background and my own backstory. Um, I used to hustle basically like luxury neckties because I like them. Um, when I was in university, I got really into uh, classic menswear just, you know, to, to kind of look the part and be the part and take myself a little bit more seriously, take my school a little bit more seriously um, and just just try to be my best self, and the, the, the suit, my suits, kind of facilitated that. And it, it came back to my uh, parents, who are Polish immigrants in Canada, who sort of instilled this idea of always presenting my best self and always, you know, just making an effort to uh, to, to show respect through the clothes I wore and through the way I presented myself. Um, so, so this kind of led me to a point where I was like really tired of you know, fast fashion stuff and my, my mom picking out my suits and whatever. Um, <laughs> I ended up like in, in the local classifieds of Toronto and, you know, eventually I picked up a few nice ties from, I don't know, like Brioni or Xenia um, that I, that I loved at the time. And then I kind of realized, damn, I picked these up really cheap because, you know, the class, the, as it stood, there wasn't really a centralized space um, for classic menswear resale. And as a result, whoever had that expensive item and put it up on like Craigslist or whatever, um, would be willing to accept my lowball offer because nobody had messaged them about it for the last six months. Um, so I ended up picking up like, you know, $300 ties for like 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks. Um, and then I found grailed at some point, maybe in like 2014, 2015. And I was like, Oh, like I'm kind of tired of this tie. It's a beautiful tie. You know, I kept it in like pristine condition. Um, I wonder if I can sell it there and, you know, Grailed is not the best place for, uh, for anything other than streetwear really. Um, which is fair. Like I, I love, I loved Grailed for what it was. Um, but it wasn't really the place for me. And so, you know, I, I ended up anyways, you know, through local classifieds, through other platforms like eBay and, and, and Grailed, for instance, I, you know, would sell a tie or two and kind of realize, you know, I could even make some money on, on this thing that I enjoyed for a bit. And, you know, I, I found this good sort of arbitrage opportunity. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so then Chris came to Bangkok, uh, last year and we just kind of chatted and we were talking about things completely other than business. And on his very last, I think even like the last hour we had together, I went to soccer practice and he went to the airport. Um, I had kind of mentioned this idea in passing, like, what do you think about a marketplace for like secondhand ties? And he was like, oh, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, let's talk about it. And then two months later, uh, we had a chat and I was kind of formalizing this idea um, just to see what we could do with it. And uh, yeah, Silk Exchange kind of came out of that. And that was, I guess, sort of rooted in the idea of this being limited to neckties instead of the whole range of things that we have uh on the site, which I think is fantastic because there's, you know, a bunch of different guys who like different things. Some guys don't like to wear full suits. Uh, some guys only wear full suits. So, uh, we have a you know broad range of accessories. We have uh, sports coats, we have trousers, we have denim, we have, uh, watches and, you know, pocket squares, hand, uh, cufflinks, whatever you want, uh, can all be found there. Right. You're, uh, you're definitely soup to nuts. Obviously I, I checked out. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's good, right? I would think. <laughs> no, but I would say also, uh, Reg, uh, just uh, adding to what John said, um, uh, Silkishnik as a name did not come about, you know, um, so, like, I mean, you know, it came about very naturally. It wasn't like uh, we, we had, um, you know, a session where we brainstormed. It was more about, you know, um, you know, we, we like these and we had so many, uh, John, I don't know if you remember, we had so many different names for it. And, uh, you know, we were debating a, a lot about, you know, when, when we started talking about uh, what the business model would be, uh, I think the last thing we decided was the name. And um, uh, something that is worth mentioning here is, uh, apart from the Silk Road, it's, uh, you know, that, that movement from... Uh, days to the West, but also, you know, from different parts of the world to, to new parts of the world. And um, th that kind of, um, uh, you know, apart from the silk element, which uh, I, I absolutely love about our name, uh, to be honest, Reg, it's, you know, it, uh, silk is so such a fine material. And um, I encourage you and the, the listeners to go and look out uh, how, how it's actually made. And it's a, a tremendous process and, you know, so much effort is put behind that. And it's exactly uh, so much valued because um, it, 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 it retains its value. It's, uh, it, it's, um, uh, it's, it, it survives the test of time. So that is the one element of silk exchange. And then the other element is the exchange part, um, you know, which is something that, you know, we want to emphasize that thing that, uh, you know, we are a marketplace, but we are beyond the marketplace. Um, we are a place where people can exchange ideas, can exchange um, thoughts, views on items, on on trends, on um, everything classic menswear um, related and even, you know, classic lifestyle related, I would say. So let's actually talk about the exchange itself. Let's 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 uh, get into a little minutia. So, I'm a seller. I have some ties. How does the process work? The fashion geeks are hosted and powered by Blueberry. That's Blueberry. B L U B R R Y. Thinking of launching a podcast? Want your episodes to be deployed smoothly? Go to Blueberry.com, type in the word fashion, and get a deal on us. Just put in the word fashion. Blueberry always hosts fly. So yeah, basically, I mean, you would go to silkexchange.com. Uh, the first thing you would run into is our uh, you know, categories that you can browse. Uh, if you scroll down further, you'll see some of the more interactive community elements that we have, um, such as our Gent of the Month feature uh, and other articles that we have written by other members of our community. So we try to keep that open and, you know, for the reference, if anyone's ever keen to uh, explore menswear a little bit more formally by by writing about something um, where we're all ears. We're always open to, to featuring different voices and different opinions. Um, and of course, Reg, that is open to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as as far as how the the platform actually works, um, we have you know uh, you would see a marketplace tab. You would click on that, and that sends you to the the heart and soul of uh, what we're doing. And uh, so you, you'll see a pretty familiar sort of a feed with a bunch of different content of different items and products that you can, um, you know, explore. So we like to say that Silk Exchange is a community-driven marketplace for buying, selling, and exploring classic menswear. Um, so we have, we have categories, like I mentioned, a number of them. You can 
find what you're looking for. You can look through garment sizes. You can look through shoe sizes, shirt sizes, uh, materials, different types of cloth. We have a whole range of that. Um, and so basically, you know, we're trying to make Silk Exchange rooted in the idea of, uh, you know, something that's crafted well over time. Um, but we're also, we've also, you know, a, a good question to ask would be like, what do we mean by classic menswear? And we, we had a bit of a, since we're still in these early days, it's, it's fine to say we, we obviously had a bit of a challenge with like, where do we draw the line on classic menswear? And to be honest, mm. like, who are we to decide what that means? So we, we try to stick to the idea of just well-made clothes that are in wearable condition. Um, we have, you know, if you were to list an item, you would have a bunch of categories to sort of fill in, uh, ranging from the price, from the quality, from the brand. Um, also that people on the other end can, can find these, uh, products through those filters. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we try to make sure we, we actively monitor the site to try to eliminate, uh, you know, any counterfeit goods that might come up that hasn't been a problem whatsoever yet. Um, and to, to be honest, you know, we tried to. We'd like to expect anyways that the people who are uh, browsing Silk Exchange or listing on Silk Exchange are, uh, you know, honorable. <laughs> um, we, we try to preach that, obviously, through through the very nature of classic menswear. Um, and, you know, we, we, we try to keep everything uh, a tight ship. We try to keep it curated. Uh, we try to make sure that uh, there's only good quality stuff. We, we try to make this platform for ourselves, first and foremost. Um, and, and it's sort of an extension of that. So, you know, you'll, you'll find uh, a really broad range of products there that you can shop um, or you can list from, you know, uh, just, I'm, I'm just opening the page here from like a $300, you know, Neapolitan nine step handmade shirt for 70 bucks to, uh, you know, a ring wow. jacket for the armory um, houndstooth blazer that probably retails for somewhere around like, 1800 us dollars and it's on sale here in like brand new condition for 450 so those are the kinds of deals and steals that we're after um you know from our own personal sort of journeys in classic men's style these are the things that are important to us we're trying to bring that barrier down so that more people can enjoy um, and be a part of the community in classic menswear and um and on the other hand we're trying to make you know create a platform where people can come and uh and get some value back from their past investments and maybe <clears throat> put it forward um, towards something else uh, into their wardrobe through Silk Exchange or not, um, whatever. We should have the flexibility to leverage these uh, fantastically kept high quality garments and uh, rather than just having them waste away. Sure. Transactions done, PayPal, Stripe, typical. Yes. Yep. And sellers pay a 7% commission. Return shipping. Where is it returning to? I, I mean, it's, uh, it, it returns to... Uh, do you mean return shipping, like, where does the item go back? Yeah. Yeah, it'll go back to the, to the seller. Okay. Yeah. And, John, you had mentioned this, but I'd like you to elaborate. The sure. platform is actively monitored and vetted by community experts. Yes. Who are these experts? Great. So uh, this will be a fantastic opportunity for us to enter the discussion about our fantastic team. Um, so we have, we have currently eight people um, from around the world from four different continents, right? Mm -hmm. wow. four, yeah. four different continents. 
<clears throat> we we almost have gender parity, believe it or not, in a classic menswear startup. Uh, so we have three phenomenal young women who are just incredible and you know are totally responsible for the success that we've had so far. Um, different ra- you know age of uh, range of age groups, uh, different perspectives, all of that uh, super important. But so we we actively we have you know designated people who. Um, at some at some time zone or another, will uh, be monitoring the feed twenty four seven. You know whether it's Chris in London, me in Bangkok, our team member in Australia, um, our team member in Toronto, um, whatever it might be. Someone is always browsing once a day, making sure that uh, the quality is upheld and that you know items are legit. And the the beauty of what we're doing is that. Should, you know, should someone come and, and, and uh, you know, be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Should, should you know, I mean, should, should a fake item appear? Uh, we have total control to eliminate and ban people. Um, and we also have uh, a guarantee to our buyers that uh, buyer protection is guaranteed. And we have a, you know, dispute resolution mechanism sort of set up that uh, in the case that arbitration is needed, we can facilitate that. And we have, uh, you can see in our uh, policies um, about how it works, how, how all that works there. Okay. Okay. And staff picks that's between you two, you guys wrestle every day and try to figure out something. (laughs) Um, no, I actually, um, it's not so much a, a wrestling game. It's more like, uh, uh, trying, trying to, to feed everything that we like, uh, into just, you know, um, uh, five or six items up there. Um, I think, uh, it's, it's a very organic process, uh, Reg. Um, and, um, you know, as John mentioned, we are every day, all of us, across, everyone, around the world uh, in the team is browsing through the, the platform. So we are always on the lookout for something new, something cool, um, uh, which, uh, you know, will will kind of uh, inform the selection of these uh, staff picks. Um, and um, I think that that's the first um, stage of um, approaching that. And then the second stage is... Um, uh, when when we are reviewing at the end of the month, uh, you know things that we want to add uh, to the platform, or um, where you know if if we need to push for more jackets in the platform, or if we want to to add more shoes, um, we have started um, uh, going out in the market and trying to to speak to to people, uh, speak to our network, speak to. Uh, retailers speak to to um, people who might have stock, and uh, we try to do it in a way that is targeted, and it helps um, wipe out these uh, if if there are any gaps. And so far, the process has been very smooth, and uh, it's 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 remarkable what how how many high quality items uh, were uploaded into the platform within a very very short period of time. I mean. We launched back in um, uh, in December, December 11th, and uh, within I would say uh, two weeks, we had um, more than 100 items up, uh, which is you know uh, a big milestone for us. Sure, sure. How do you? How does one develop and foster and nurture a supplier network for your marketplace? How does one do that? <laughs> 
with a lot of calls like these, Reg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not selling any of my stuff. Uh, I have well, a clothing museum. It's called Ferguson's. I'm not taking anything from me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Trust me. Not for long. I'm not. Yeah, not I'm, I'm the problem. I'm, I really am. I've lived a life. That's all I could say. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we in in my case, uh, between between working for the UN, uh, when I first moved to Bangkok, I spent three months working for the Decorum, which is one of the premier uh, classic menswear shops here in, in Thailand. Um, that that plugged me in uh, real deep into the classic menswear <laughs> space uh, online, in person. You know, we have a fantastic, robust community of classic menswear enthusiasts here in Thailand who have supported us to varying extent. Um, you know, we like like you can tell from from uh, my little description about our team. We have you know the continents covered. Um, we have people who are passionate about this stuff. We are people who are passionate about the business side of things, and all of that works together to allow us to uh, you know really spread ourselves uh, well, effectively. And you know, we're we're also just passionate about what we're doing, and that means that when we have calls like these, um, it tends to leave people a little bit inspired, and you know. We're, we're friendly guys. <clears throat> we have a cool mission. Um, we're trying to do something impactful and people want to be a part of it. And it really hasn't been a challenge at all. Like we had sort of expected that um, our first approach to, to the launch was like, let's make sure that the marketplace is viable, that uh, we can start to you know create some sort of trust between the users. Um, and, and the first step of doing that was to have the supply side sorted. And um, just because of how much we were into menswear uh, and, and the resale market online, you know, we, we ended up finding so many people who were looking for a way to step up their sort of like online classic menswear resale businesses um, or, you know, their little hobbies uh, of, of selling stuff just like I had previously. Um, and, and, you know, guys who have nice wardrobes and want to change once in a while. Um, it's, it's proven very uh, fruitful. And uh, also expanding our networks and having conversations like these, it, it's fantastic. It kind of reminds uh, both Chris and I why we're doing what we're doing and uh, just sort of strengthens our commitment to, to taking this forward. So what do you think, and again, we're talking about a business that is entering its first month. What do you think separates you currently from other marketplaces like LuxSwap, the shoe snob exchange in eBay. Yeah, that's that's an excellent question, um, uh, and um, you know uh, I think Reg, um, it's it's worth looking at what we do um, in three different um, categories with three different lenses, if you like, um, to, that, that that will help answer that you know um, unique selling point question, if you like. Uh, first one is uh, online. You know, we are an online marketplace, so um, that's something that uh, has proven uh, its strengths, especially now with COVID. And um, you know, online uh, marketplaces are uh, are booming um, across the different uh, sectors in the market. Um, so we're trying to to ride that wave as well. Um, the second lens is uh, menswear, um, like John mentioned. You know, menswear specifically menswear uh, is a, a side or a part of the market that is um, uh, gaining a tremendous traction. Um, John mentioned earlier that uh, 
um, it, it, it's it's about to 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 double within the next few years. And uh, um, over the last um, few years, it, you know, uh, we are experiencing what we call uh, a renaissance uh, in menswear, um, which uh, you know some people <laughs> like to call menaissance, uh, if you like. Um, so we're an online menswear marketplace. Uh, but there's a third layer to that. We are um, a sustainable fashion marketplace. Uh, we're a marketplace where uh, we're not just selling, uh, you know, new items that um, uh, stay on the racks. Um, we attract those, but we also attract and we try to incentivize um, users, customers like yourself uh, to, to literally open their wardrobes and look is there something that I, I'm not going to use again? Is there something that I don't necessarily like? Is there something that doesn't fit me anymore? Um, these are all questions alongside many other things. You know, I, I, I had that kind of moment uh, yesterday when I came back to London from holidays and I was like, hmm, I, I don't think I'm going to wear this pink shirt, this specific pink shirt uh, ever again, mainly because, you know, it reminds me of a certain time of my life and, you know, it's, uh, the color doesn't suit me anymore, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, perfect. So I think the best way to utilize and retain the value of something that is of high quality and high value, you know, we're not talking about um, very, uh, you know, low, low priced items. We're talking about items that we have invested in historically. Um, take them out of the wardrobe and put them out in the, in the platform. You know, uh, do help other people around the world experience the same moments, the same uh, pride that you had while wearing them. Uh, and this is really, I think that that sums up, you know, why, how we are different from all those other marketplaces out there. There's a saturation in the market, um, but uh, when it comes to a community-driven uh, classic menswear um, marketplace, that focuses on resale and sustainable fashion, um, I, I, that's that's exactly what we're pitching and that's exactly how um, we have generated all these uh, milestones in the very short period of time that uh, has been since the launch. Well, I'll tell both of you gentlemen this. I have never looked at a marketplace and seen a $7,000 Vacuna coat I knew that was coming. <laughs> My God, guys, yeah, you're balling. That's all I'm saying. Sheesh. We're all about quality here. <laughs> <laughs> and Vacunia. You know who has a Vacunia jacket? Two chains. Okay. Yeah, I, watch, I watch that on uh, on a. I'm old school. I'm old school Golden Age, John. Okay, okay. That's not doing. That's not doing anything. For oh, me. He, he, okay, that's nice. Okay. Sport, if you had said future, I might have been more intrigued. But future probably has one too. Yes, 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 yes. So, why don't both of you gentlemen tell me beyond the uh, Vacuna coat, what are your favorite items currently on the exchange? Uh, great question. Huh. John, you want to go uh, for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before Chris gets out his wallet. Um, <laughs> fight, I, fight. Still, I still owe you uh, a Christmas person and birthday present, John. So <laughs> that was a great idea. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, recently, I mean, 
we have we have like really a community of really great sellers um and uh you know just just to add on to what chris was saying previously like we we had so much positive feedback about like the decentralization of the uh, classic menswear resale market and like where do i even go to sell this uh nice right. top or this nice pair of shoes or whatever right um and there should be a place that's that's it like you know we we had that need and we kind of realized though like a lot of guys who are into classic menswear probably also uh want a dedicated community for this kind of stuff and it's it's there for streetwear it's there for you know like uh for women's clothing uh, why for dresses even there's these niche markets for dresses um why why isn't there one for this um so it just made sense but uh as far as my favorite items like what would i buy right now actually i, I i'm really guilty and i've already bought five uh five shirts from silk exchange uh it's not my best customer apparently um, yeah no hey that's uh that's good <laughs> No, no, but there's, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm menswear addicted. So, uh, this is a pretty challenging thing to, to balance for myself. Cause like so many great deals, um, not selling, not selling right now, but just, uh, my, my own opinion, like there's so many things that I would buy here. Uh, I think like just, just out of my obsession for ties, like there's some really fantastic, uh, Spaka Neapolis, uh, hand-rolled printed silk ties, uh, from, a fantastic seller who's recently joined us. Um, brand new mint condition. I think they even might have tags. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Nicola Rodano, but he's like a Italian no. style icon, you know, our age. And uh, he's someone I really look up to. And he started his own brand uh, called Spacca Neapolis and uh, fantastic. Oh, I think I read about him in... Uh... Yeah, in the rake or something. Probably, um, I, I would. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if his uh, his brand is being stocked there. Um, but uh, yeah, really fantastic. I, I've had the chance to handle them a few times, and uh, yeah, just really fantastic hand rolled blades. Um, wonderful colors that pop, and like the cool thing about Italian style, and you know, I guess maybe we can go into a bit of a conversation about our own styles, but. Uh, I'm really, you know, just given the climate here in Bangkok, uh, I'm, I'm really growing an affinity for uh, for Italian style and for that soft tailoring and for the the colors and the bold patterns and just kind of dressing down formal wear uh, because I do find myself in a suit quite often and um, I like to do it a little different. So uh, these these ties are fantastic because they offer you a little bit of versatility. You don't have to just be a guy in a suit, but you can be a you know, looking a little cooler than, than someone else. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you've taken a look at those ties, but there's uh, so many different options and like, yeah, probably have one for every day of the month if I could. My ties have ties, John. So I'm not looking at any ties. <laughs> Christopher, what's yours? Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, we had this conversation um, a few days ago with, uh, with John. We, we regularly talk pretty much on a daily basis um, about what we like and, you know, what, what we want to uh, kind of um, keep up or, you know, um, uh, try to kind of uh, feature on our Instagram page. Uh, but it was that time that we actually talked about actually, you know, as John said, taking out the wallet and start buying. So, um, from my end, uh, I've already um, bought uh, a shirt and um, an item that I would be eyeing uh, next is an amazing uh, Brooks uh, uh, jacket, sports coat um, that 
you know, is in a, in a great condition, um, actually two of them. Um, and, you know, they, they uh, normally retail for uh, a much higher price. And uh, now we have them in the region of uh, 200 uh, something dollars, um, which, you know, very high quality, uh, three season uh, wool uh, coats, um, very, you know, casual, uh, but at the same time can be worn in, um, you know, uh, in more formal um, uh, occasions as well. And that's coming even from someone uh, in London. Um, so I would definitely go for these. Um, there is another uh, pair of trousers, um, a lot of Piana uh, pair of trousers that I absolutely love. Um, and I think, John, next time I'm in a I'm able to travel and I'm somewhere in a warmer environment. I will definitely invest uh, and get uh, that. Um, it's uh, white, uh, very, you know, um, light material and um, uh, very, very nice for the summer months. Uh, probably when I go back to Greece uh, in the summer, hopefully <laughs> uh, will be allowed. But uh, that is another one which, uh, you know, normal price is uh, $750 uh, and now it's in the marketplace for 150, um, which is, you know, a great saving. And it gets you as a customer or as, as someone on the demand side, it gets you interested, you know, uh, are you, if you were, if you were interested in uh, experimenting with, um, you know, wide linen uh, trousers, you wouldn't do it for $700, I would assume. Right. But with 150, you know, it's, it becomes a sweet deal, if you like. Um, and then, apart from the ties that John mentioned, I think there is an amazing variety of great shoes. Um, now, my problem with the shoes that we have uh, is that I uh, I wear um, 46 uh, in European size, so yep. it, it proves to be a bit trickier. So, you know, uh, um, that's that's uh, something that you know uh, I, we need to to uh, expand on, but. Uh, for for smaller shoe sizes, there's great variety of um, shoe sizes. And in fact, I I messaged one of our sellers um, to say, hey, is there any chance you might have the same size, uh, the same uh, pair of shoes, uh, five sizes bigger? But unfortunately, <laughs> that that will happen soon, though. Exactly. Hang in there, Chris. So I want to ask both of you this question and answer separately. What does always be fly mean to you? I'm, I'm more than happy to go first if you want, Chris. Please go for it. I think, you know, some of the, by the way, Reg, I really love what you're doing. I uh, really love the, the message you're spreading and, you know, doing you. I think it's really important to, to hear these different sorts of voices in the current state of menswear. Um, we don't see it often enough. So uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, first of all, but as far as like always be fly, I, I, I take it in a more like classic sense. Um, I think that classic menswear, like we had discussed earlier, it's a, it's a vehicle for, you know, in my case, projecting my best self. Um, it's a reason, you know, that I enjoy waking up in the morning, putting on my clothes, putting on an outfit, uh, trying to look fly, trying to look, you know, feel confident, uh, trying to, to look the part and be the part. And in my case, you know, I work for the UN, I'm 25 years old. It's a, it's a pretty unique situation to be in, in my case. And um, I think that getting into tailoring and getting into classic menswear deeper and deeper, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a total menswear geek or nerd, whatever. 
um, it's uh, it's kind of given me something to make a name out of myself with. Like, I don't want to say I'm the best dressed in the office, but sometimes it feels that way. And at least, you know, I, I dress with intention. Um, and I, I think that's, 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 that's kind of what it means to me, you know, to, uh, just, just always keep that in the back of your mind. Always try to, uh, you know, present your best self, do it for yourself. And yeah. Chris. Yeah, I think, um, I would answer that, um, in two ways. I think the first way is, um, how John described that external, uh, signal that you give out um, to the world. You know, I'm I'm here. You know, um, you know, I'm here for the promotion. I'm here to talk. Uh, I'm here to network. Um, that's how John and I met. Uh, that's that's how we were able to to meet other classic menswear enthusiasts in the good old days that we were able to go to networking events. Um, however, that is only one side of the coin. I think. Uh, being fly is also equally important um, when it comes to looking at yourself from within. Um, and, um, you know, that that confidence boost that you can have when you're wearing a nice uh, jacket, uh, you know, one of those Brooks Brothers <laughs> jackets that I mentioned earlier, probably, uh, or, you know, a nice pair, pair of uh, trousers. Uh, it's really that confidence boost that um, can get you into a room and instead of, you know, uh, wearing, you know, your your uh, lazy pants, you know, that we are all accustomed to these days, unfortunately, um, uh, uh, getting into a room and really feeling like the best version of yourself and speaking that way, presenting yourself that way, that is always something that is triggered by feeling comfortable with what you're wearing. Um, and as I said, you know, um, better times will come. And um, I, I experienced it in my everyday uh, routine when uh, the days that I just stick with my um, sweatpants and, you know, my, my hoodies, these are days that are very, you know, <laughs> uneventful, if you like. The days that I feel the best version of myself and the best uh, Christopher, uh, possible. These are the days that I wake up, I take care of myself. I do my morning grooming routine and I put on a freshly ironed shirt, um, nice pair of trousers, an amazing jacket, um, provisionally with a nice tie. Um, and I just rock the day. These are the days that make difference and make us grow as humans. Reg, I like what you have to say. Sorry to cut you off, Reg. Just can I can I add a little bit to my uh, my answer as well? I had a thought. Uh, okay. So just just because like being fly, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a unique way to frame what we're talking about, and um, with like one thing that comes to mind is like there's a new store that's popped up here in Bangkok called Sprezzatura Eleganza. Uh, Sprezzatura is this, you know, uh, buzzword that's been flying around in the hashtag menswear community lately. A lot of people don't know what it means exactly. Um, but it's just kind of like the art of nonchalance. And I think because I tend to gravitate towards Italian style instead of, uh, you know, English and French schools of tailoring, for instance, um, I think, you know, the Italians, uh, they, they know what it's 
like to be fly and and they they do something unique with the soft tailoring with the drape um it's a little bit cooler and less rigid and more uh less less structured uh, and just kind of more chill uh a, a more chill approach to tailoring and so uh you know it's like walking in for me it's like the difference between walking into a menswear shop that's playing some like you know old school jazz uh versus something you know you walk into a menswear shop and they're playing something that makes you want to dance and uh and yeah i think that's you know part of it for me too i like it (laughs) 